You know, I bet some of you are thinking, I have never been to a church's birthday party. Uh, well, welcome to a three-year-old's birthday party, okay? Uh, it comes, yeah, yeah, it comes uh, with food, uh, stickers, balloons, and here we've got a dunking booth, okay? So we, yeah, we're going to be baptizing at the end of our service, uh, and something we just want to see done over and over and over again in the life of New City Church. Uh, it's something we love to do and just celebrate um, but before we get there, before we get into the book of Ephesians, I want to take about 15 minutes and just kind of go down uh, memory lane of the Lord's faithfulness to our church. And then in the second half of our time, we're going to dive into just a few verses of Ephesians. Um, this is going to take us very quickly into the theological deep end, which we love to do here, okay? But before we wade into the depths of Ephesians 1, when I look out today, uh, just where the Lord has brought us, uh, just, it is just an incredible picture of the faithfulness of God. And, and please hear me, this is by no means us saying, look at how awesome we are, because we're really just not a super flashy church. But rather, I think you'll see it's a story of the kindness of God. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a new city story, is totally 100%, it is God's story. Uh, just, just a few things about our church before we get into it that I think are really important to know. We love Jesus, we value uh, the Bible, and we believe in a really big God that works in incredible and powerful ways through really broken people. Amen. And if I've learned anything through this journey of seeing New City Church kind of birthed into existence, it's that we are utterly dependent on the power of God to work in us and through us. Like this has been the most reoccurring theme to date about our church. We are absolutely 100% dependent on the power of God to work among us. And the reason I say that is because as I look back at all that God has done, not just in the past three years, but even before that, it is really kind of unreal how many high highs and how many low lows we've had. For whatever reason, God has found it necessary for New City Church to be a church that is blown away by the mountaintops, but also just deeply understands the valleys of life. Like the amount of crazy mountaintop moments where God just moves in crazy ways, again, it's just really bizarre of how much we've seen in just a few short years. Like if I started the timeline of our church, I personally wouldn't start it three years ago. I would probably start it six years ago when I was literally standing on top of a mountain in South Asia being totally blown away at what I just witnessed that week, seeing a church being birthed in a remote village in the middle of nowhere of South Asia that had never, ever heard the name of Jesus. We show up, we teach the Bible for three days, and a church was birthed in three days on a short-term mission trip. And, and there, yeah, praise the Lord. And there I was standing on top of a mountain, mountaintop moment, next to a Buddhist temple where as far as the eye could see, there were 10 missionaries for 70 million people that had never heard the name of Jesus. And literally standing on top of that mountain was when God birthed the vision of New City Church, bringing to mind Luke 10 2, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord to harvest and send out labors into his harvest. And in that moment, it became really clear that God was calling us to plant a church that would send people all over the world to make disciples, multiply churches, and mobilize missionaries. And so I go home, I tell my wife, I think God is calling us to plant a church. And she's like, I know, I've been telling you that for months. So we go to the church, they agree, I quit my job, and then it's like, oh no, what have we done? Cue the valley. Like my, my salary just got cut in well more than half, wondering how is this going to work? Maybe God isn't calling us to this. 
So what did we do? We got on our hands and knees and begged God to provide for our family in a way that we absolutely did not see or understand how it would work. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, my wife, literally out of nowhere, becomes an artist, never before taken an art class, uh, and one day just started painting, and overnight, just kind of accidentally begins a successful art business that provided the difference for our family month after month after month, just during that season. Again, yeah, praise the Lord. Again, deep valleys and high mountains. And then over the next year, we go through a roller coaster ride of trying to build a team and raise money when, any, when everybody we asked didn't come. And not to mention, six months into fundraising, we only, we only raised $10,000, which was 4% of our, uh, our first year budget. With five months of runway left before we sold our houses and moved to Tampa. I mean, just talk about a deep valley of doubt and unbelief. Our efforts, they just weren't cutting it. And then what did God do? He moved. Over the next five months, in a total move of God, we had 35 adults and 15 kids, the the true heroes, moved from North Carolina to Tampa with a fully funded first-year budget that we clearly can't take any credit for. God totally did that. And there we were, moved to, a, to Tampa in the summer of 2019, coming off this incredible mountaintop moment, not knowing a soul in Tampa, not having a person to lead us in worship, and really no place to gather, and not because we didn't try, it just wasn't working out for us. And over the next six months, we were kind of just scrambling, trying to find a worship leader and a, and a space to start and meet as many people as we could. And we were gathering on Sunday nights in a cubicle at the University Mall in a less than ideal space with worship leaders from other churches coming in to help, just knowing we weren't ready to go public and officially start because of the space we were in. I mean, dropping off kids 200 yards away with moms and dads walking through a dark parking deck, seeing needles on the ground along with several other herbal smells to come into a space, it didn't exactly give a warm, welcoming, family-friendly environment. And not to mention on the stage, we were getting rained on at times. And so what do we do? We cried out to God and prayed with about two months before our scheduled start date. And I kid you not, the day after we gathered and cried out to God, the very next day, not having a clue what to do, we got, con- we got connected the next day to Learning Gate, where we are right now. Uh, just like to move in and publicly launch our church in January of 2020, just amazed at the faithfulness of God to move in mighty ways. Just a total mountaintop. And then seven weeks later, we get shut down with COVID, starting all the challenges of 2020, beginning one of the top two hardest years of my life with many hard and painful moments. Crying out to God saying, what are you doing? Like it felt like hardship after hardship, wondering, is this going to work? Are we even going to make it? Again, I don't know how to say this any other way, but New City is a church that understands the deep valleys of life. And then in 2021, God decided to double our church. We brought AJ on staff with so many things to celebrate. And then this past year, in 2022, we had over 200 people at Easter and baptized 13 people. Just a total move of God. Yeah. Just seeing God do incredible things on campus at USF. You know, this past year, we've been praying for God to grow our church with families and people over the age of 25. I mean, really just bring some wisdom and stability and people to disciple. Praise the Lord, right? People to disciple all of our young people, the, like wanting so desperately to have true multi-generational discipleship. And in some ways, God has answered this prayer and is growing our church in that area, where in other ways, we're still praying for God to add more families and still praying for 30 new families, believing that God will do it in His time. 
And I can't help but think, uh, if history repeats itself with our church, when we get on our hands and knees and cry out to God, God does a work that we could never even dream of. But it's in His timing, not ours. You know, I'm just waiting to see what God does with our families in the years ahead because there's no doubt God's hand is on our church and is moving among us because what we often see is that those valleys of dependence often follow with celebratory mountaintops. But again, it's in God's timing, not in ours. Just a few other things to celebrate over this past year. You know, our kids' ministry just finished going through the whole Bible in three years. And so over the next three years, all the kids going through our kids' ministry, starting today, will go through the entire Bible again. I mean, we so desperately want to train up our kids week after week, laying a foundation for their life on Jesus that will lead them to be zealous for the Lord. Our kids volunteers has, have grown immensely. We have 44 kids volunteers on the roster right now and still praying for more. Still praying for more. God has been praying us, uh, preparing us for growth. We've been praying with, uh, for our families and with our families. We've started our student ministry this year for middle school and high school students which is a huge step for us. And we've started a college leadership team investing in college students and others that are doing at least 10 hours a week on campus, just trying to pour fuel on the fire of what God is already doing through our college students. We've begun a prayer team for our Sunday gathering. And we've got about 85 people plugged into five different city groups. We're praying that doubles this year. We've got over 80 people serving on serve teams to help us just pull off our Sunday service from week to week, which is literally just, that's just unreal. We've got first-time guests and new people coming almost every week to our church. Y'all, God has been so incredibly faithful to our church, not just to keep us alive, but the fact that God is growing us and saving us and strengthening and reviving those who are weary. I mean, God in His kindness has made our church to be a place and a people where God heals and restores people. I mean, there's no question asked. God is moving through our church in incredible ways, just pulling people out of deep valleys while also at the same time continuing to just put on these crazy, ridiculous mountaintop moments. In New City, God has done it again. At the end of 2022, we did a year-end generosity initiative called Anchored for the Mission, where we're seeking to raise money above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings to give away up to 10% of our yearly annual budget, our yearly budget to missions and church planting and local organizations around our city. And every year, this is really hard to do because we're a young, growing church that needs every dime we can get to do ministry here in Tampa to keep up with the demands of our growing church, which is a great problem to have. But it makes giving away money really hard. But every year, we decide to set aside our needs as a church and align our hearts with what God is doing around the world through global missions and church planting and all through local organizations that uh, minister to the poor, the orphan, the widow, the unwed mother, and the refugee. And just to give you some context, you know, uh, last year we sought to give away $8,000 because the previous year we brought in $5,000 and gave away eight. Well, last year we didn't bring in $8,000, we brought in $16,000, which for our church at the time was just incredible. It blew us away because over half of our church at the time didn't have a full-time job. Well, this year, what we thought was a realistic but very stretching goal was $20,000 over our normal tithes and offerings. Like, that in itself was a big, is a big goal with everybody on board, especially just with the demographics of our young church. But we also really desire to give up to 10% of our yearly budget away, which is $35,000. And so $35,000 became our crazy, ridiculous, God-sized goal that just makes no sense for our church. 
Like we just kind of looked at the numbers and just laughed because again, it would take just silly amounts of generosity from everyone that just doesn't make sense. I mean, AJ often jokes that we needed to go to faith, faith camp because we looked at the numbers and it just didn't make sense. Well, guess what? God took us to faith camp because we hit our goal. We hit our crazy, God-sized, silly goal and our church brought in $41,000 over and above our normal tithes and offerings. $41,000. In this city, I love this because it allows us to give away 10% of our annual budget of $35,000 to missions and church planting and local organizations like Young Lives and Trinity Cafe and Florida Foster Care and the Pregnancy Care Center. But you know what God did <laughs> with our crazy God-sized goal? He didn't just double it. He almost tripled it. Listen to this. In the month of December, with the gift from outside of our church, totally unexpected, we brought in $91,000 over and above our normal tithes and offerings. Not 41, 91. Over and above. Isn't that just silly? Like you're just left like, what? I mean, God in his kindness just looked at our church and just smiled back at us. We went all in, and God took all our all-in efforts and just blew it out of the water. I mean, the gift that we received literally came out of the blue from someone out of state. They had no clue what we were doing with our generosity initiative. They just called me and said, God has been very kind to us. We love what you're doing. We see God moving. I've got a check for $50,000 coming your way. Again, God just took our efforts and then more than doubled it. Now, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, God has his hand on our church and continues to bring us on these crazy mountaintop moments. And every single one, every single mountaintop has totally come from God. Things that I, we never could have thought of or even dreamed of or planned or even know how in the world this would even work. But God, time and time again, continues to just blow our expectations out of the water. That's just the story of our church. We believe, we believe God calls us to crazy things. We don't know how it's going to work, and then God does it in his timing. So New City, happy birthday. Three years of many deep valleys and many mountaintop moments that we can't take any credit for, and I can't help but think and just be excited for what's ahead. Because New City, we're just getting started. Again, if you want to know where our church is going, uh, we exist to see Jesus change lives and reach the world. That's our vision statement. We want to see people come to Jesus, have their hearts and souls revived and restored, and then send them out zealously on mission with God, either across the street or across the globe. And how are we going to do it? We're just going to simply walk in everyday faithfulness and beg God to move and week, week after week after week just preach the word. So that said, let's just take a moment, and I'm just going to stop and pray, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians for the second half of our time. God, we have so much to celebrate. God, you have been so faithful to our church in so many ways. God, we're continued, just continually just blown away by your faithfulness, not just to provide, but to, to restore and to heal and to save people. God, you're calling people into incredible works. And it's just so fun to watch and see how you're working among us. And so God, we, we thank you for these past three years and we just pray and beg God for the next three that you would just continue to blow us out of the water with all that you're doing. We ask you to move in mighty ways and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. And so something I just want to make abundantly clear and just say again 
is that us telling the story of New City Church is not about us tooting New City Church's horn, okay? But rather, it's totally about exalting the God we serve and worship, which as we get into Ephesians today, just reaffirms the goodness and the greatness of God we serve. You know, last week we kicked off this series in Ephesians, looking at the first three verses, seeing that this letter was written by Paul to the churches in the city of Ephesus, a city with much spiritual warfare, And then we just kind of stepped our toe into verse 3, beginning to see all that we have when we're in Christ. And what we're going to see as we go through the book of Ephesians, especially in these first three chapters, is exactly that. Who we are when we are in Christ. So we're seeing our new gospel identity, and we've titled this series, as we've titled this series, Gospel Identity. Because you know, every person on the planet is asking that question. Who am I? And, as we, as, and we as Christians, those who follow Jesus, are handed, we're handed an incredible confidence-boosting identity by God that cannot be taken from us or changed. You know, not a single person on the planet can rob this identity from us when we're in Christ. You know, we, we ourselves, we can't even take this identity away from us. If we're Jesus followers, nothing we do or, or anything we, we don't do, it, it doesn't give us this, it gives us identity. It's simply given to us by God. It's a free gift. It's not based on how we perform or the job we have or the sports we play or the grades we make or our personality or heritage or cultural background, which is often where a person's identity is often found. But Paul in the book of Ephesians is showing the church we have a different eternal and unshakable foundation that is just unreal how good it is. You know, last week we saw that we're not called forsaken sinners, but rather we're redeemed saints. Like, if, you, if you're a Christian, you're a saint, period. If you are in Christ, we are saints. We also saw that God is our Father and that we have access to all the spiritual blessings that God has in the heavenly places. And so we're going to start again in verse 1 and read all the way through verse 6, but really focus on verses 3 through 6. So look starting in, verses, in verse 1 of Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. New City, only six verses in the four verses that we're focusing on today in the second half of our time. It's a mouthful. Like we're stepping into the theological deep end here while at the same time these four verses, verses three through six, if I had to share some of the more confidence boosting verses that have spurred on endurance in those deep valleys over the past several years, these would certainly be at the top of the list. And so to guide the rest of our time today, we'll see as our very simple main idea, Jesus is our greatest blessing. We'll have two simple points out of that. Number one, the church is blessed by God. And number two, uh, the church is chosen by God. And when we say the church, we're not talking about a service. We're not talking about an organization. No, we're talking about people who follow Jesus as Lord of their life. You know, we have much to chew on in just a few minutes, but at the end of the day, no matter how we spin it, we as Christians, after reading our four verses, must come to the conclusion that we are blessed 
immensely by God. And it's not because of us, it's not because of anything we do, but simply because Jesus has blessed us with himself. And so on our birthday celebration today, yes, we have much to celebrate, seeing visible examples of God's faithfulness, but at the end of the day, Jesus is and he always will be our greatest blessing. At the end of the day, I don't care what we do, I don't care what happens with our church, if we don't have Jesus, we have nothing. You know why this is so good for us? Because when we go through those well, more deep valleys in the years again, which I hate to say it will, will happen, when we go through them, you know who is right there with us? It's Jesus. When we, have more, when we have more mountaintop moments, which I hope and pray will happen, we can look at them and say, that's really cool, but guess what? Jesus is better. I mean, raising over $91,000 over our normal tithes and offerings in a single month, over quadrupling what we normally do in a month is all inspiring. It's a move of God, but guess what? Jesus is better. Having Jesus as our greatest blessing and not what Jesus does for us is what our text draws us to, which I believe is a perfect reminder for our church as we celebrate three years. We can celebrate a lot of things, but at the end of the day, Jesus is our greatest celebration which is what we see in verse 3. Look at it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Just to note, verse 3 is the beginning of one really long sentence in the original language that extends all the way down to verse 14 that we'll get to in a couple weeks. And this whole sentence is the outworking of Paul blessing the Lord. He said at the beginning of verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything we're about to read is the outworking of Paul leading us to worship God. And so what leads us to worship God? Well, Paul says in verse 3 that God blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Which leads us to our first quick point for today. The church is blessed by God. No questions asked. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in the family of God, God has immensely blessed you. And we're not talking about physical blessings that sometimes come and sometimes don't. No, we're talking about spiritual blessings. Paul shows us that Jesus is our greatest blessing, that Jesus is better than our family, our hobbies, our education, our sports, our bank accounts. You name it, Jesus is better. Because without Jesus, the Bible is clear, as we'll see in Ephesians that without Jesus, we have no hope. That we're left in our sins, guilty before the Lord, left on a path to destruction. Ugh. Like, y'all, without Jesus, we're essentially powerless, without an eternal source of joy and eternal peace. It's not obtainable. Because the only way we can be with God forever is through faith in Jesus. And Jesus is not only our ticket to heaven in the future, but he's also our satisfaction for today, like right now. I mean, all the things we accomplish, they come and go. All the relationships we form, the scholarships we get, the money we, we make, the things we win. There's always something new to do. There's always a new mountain to climb. But Jesus, he is the only thing that is always with us. No matter what mountain we're on or what valley we're in, Jesus is there. Jesus, with Jesus being our greatest blessing, do you know what else we get as our verse tells us in verse 3? It says, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Which means every spiritual blessing we have in heaven, we have access to today. Like right now. 
And what are those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ? Well, it's a whole host of things. It's love and joy and peace and kindness. There's contentment. There's a deep soul satisfaction. And we're going through the chaos of the world. We can have and experience parts of heaven in a spiritual sense right now. Like, we don't have to wait and open these gifts in heaven. No, right now, in Jesus, we have heavenly gifts just waiting to be opened. I mean, just, just get this. I mean, every, every day, we're, we're kind of birthday theme. Every day, it's like a kid's birthday party. Where we're just kind of ripping open gifts given to us by God from heaven. And God has given th- them to us in Jesus by His Spirit, and He's just waiting for us to just come in and just open them. And we could go on and on about this first point, but the point is, church, we're blessed by God, that Jesus is our greatest blessing. And let me just simply ask, do you believe that? Does your life align with this? I hope and pray that it does, because Jesus, he's better than anything else that this world could ever give us. Let's keep moving, because what we're about to get into in verses 4, 5, and 6 is the outworking of that blessing, and it's also filled with some incredible truths. I know verse 3 shows us that Paul is praising the Lord. And so everything we're about to get into, the intent is to lead us to worship and praise. I mean, people for thousands of years have wrestled with what we're about to get into. I mean, people love to debate this, and I think it's good and right and think deeply about complex things to grow in our understanding and to wrestle with these things. You know, here at New City, we don't skirt past hard text. No, we preach through the whole Bible. We use every bit of it. Even the hard text on our birthday, looking at God's choosing nature and predestination and election. <laughs> this is fun to wrestle with, and it kind of feels like bringing up a hot topic in the middle of a nice birthday party. <laughs> it kind of feels like a big no-no. Like, why would you do that? Just hang with me. Because we're going to step into the theological deep end uh, with things that make people kind of squirm and feel uncomfortable. But fear not, because the purpose of what we're about to do is to lead us to praise and worship. And so we're going to take something extremely complex and try to make it just really simple that leads us to just praise the Lord and all. Because as soon as we get into debating and arguing, which is often what happens with these ideas, we've totally lost the intent of what Paul is getting at. So there are several things with what we'll see today that we just have to throw our hands up and say, as Scripture lead us, leads us to, we don't know the mind of God. Yes, we think through it and wrestle with it. We don't ignore it, but the intent is to lead us to praise. And so today, we're going to live in the tension as the scriptures lead us to do, keeping the debates at the door and let it lead us to praise the Lord because church is remarkable when we look at this rightly. Again, it leads us to praise and all. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6 again. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Again, that's a lot to break down, but what we just read shouts nothing but grace. It leads us to awe and worship. So let me just kind of rephrase what we just read. If you're a Christian... If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've given him, if you've given your life to Jesus and you're following him as Lord of your life, with what we just read, it says, God, before the foundation of the world, before he created the world, he looked at you and me and said, I choose you. Leading us to number two, the church is chosen by God. In a very simple way, when Paul says predestined in verse four, that's what it says, which is a very complex theological word. 
It simply means before the beginning of time, God predetermined that he would look at you and say, you're mine, I choose you. Again, if you have understood the gospel and put your faith in Jesus, God has looked at you even when he saw you in your sin and unbelief by nothing that we did in ourselves. God decided by nothing but his sheer grace. He decided that he would open up our eyes to see the gift of Jesus and just breathe life into our souls. That he would adopt us like a child is adopted into a new family. And God decided he would do this before he ever created the world. That's what it says right out of the text. And church, this is nothing but glorious and marvelous and amazing grace. We did not earn this. It was a free gift given to us by God. You know, when we think of being chosen by God, maybe we think of it like being on a playground, being picked up and chosen on a team for a kickball game. Or there's a captain that chooses based on skill and ability. And for the best players, it's a, it's a confidence booster. Kind of like, yeah, I'm good. They picked me first. But for the not so good players, maybe not picked, it can be discouraging and not so fun. But that's not the picture we have here. No, God simply looked at you, follower of Jesus, not because of your ability or skill or personality or how good you are. He did not look at you and think, you're a good person, I choose you. No, he looked at you for nothing that you've done, for no merit you've earned, and said, your mind, I adopt you. You're now in my forever family. No, I love how Paul uses adoption language here with this. Because it paints such a beautiful picture of what God has done for us in Christ. I mean, here at New City, we love adoption. I long for the day when our church is able to see all the orphans in Tampa Bay, and through our collective efforts, we can just say the people in our church want to adopt them all. Because adoption is just an incredible picture of what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. Because here we are, as the gospel tells us, that we're not born into the family of God, but rather we're left out of the family of God because of our sin. But through Jesus, we're then adopted into God's family. Just like adoptive parents choose to adopt a child who is not part of their family and then by their choice adopting them into their family, God does the same for us. We're adopted into God's family through Jesus. We're chosen. We're adopted into the royal family that has all the spiritual riches in the heavenly places, as verse 3 tells us. We were adopted into this. We were chosen for this. I mean, what a remarkable gift. Now the question is asked, well, what about everyone else that God did not choose or adopt? And to that, in some ways, like we have to say we don't know the mind of God. Again, we think about this and wrestle with this, and we must trust that God is good, and that he sees all, and that he knows all. There is a tension in the Bible that we have to hold that theologians have debated and wrestled with for thousands of years, which is good to wrestle with. And it's that God chooses those he saves, while at the same time in the Bible we also see and have to hold intention that people are held responsible for their sin. Both are absolutely true. There is a divine tension, so to speak, that the Bible holds that we must also hold, and it's between God being in power over all things, while at the same time, people are responsible for their disobedience and sin before a holy God. God is absolutely not responsible for human rebellion against him. We are all guilty before the Lord. But by God's remarkable grace, he looked at you, follower of Jesus, and says, I am going to rip you out of the grave and breathe life into you. And the reason Paul brings this up is not to say, what about everyone else, but rather for the Christian to say, why me? It's to show God's grace to those who do believe. 
Paul's intent was not to lead us to debate this, but rather to drive us to our knees in humility, overwhelmed by God's grace to us, giving us what we do not deserve. Like, I don't care where you are on the spectrum of predestination, election, and free, and free will. People are all over the world, bored, and that's fine. And this is one of those mysteries that we'll have to figure out when we get to heaven. But regardless of where we are, when we get on our hands and knees, kneeling before the foot of the cross, looking at Jesus, I don't know many people that would look at the cross in humility and say, Jesus, thank you for my awesome decision. I did a great job here. No, when we're on our hands and knees in humility at the foot of the cross, we cry out to Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me life. And that's what Paul is doing here. He is bursting out with praise in Ephesians chapter 1. And we can say it this way. God choosing the church drives us to our knees in thankful humility, leading us to praise the Lord. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, we should be in nothing but awe of God, that God has blessed us with Jesus, that he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. And then as it says, God choosing us, it comes with all the heavenly blessings and riches that God has access to. And what was driving all of this? What was God's motivation? Well, at the end of verse 4, what we see is it was all motivated by love. By love. That God, by his great love, looked at us, the church, and said, I choose you. I adopt you as my sons and daughters. And guess what? It comes with all of God's riches in heaven. Can you just imagine the boldness and confidence that this gave to the church at Ephesus that was calling Jesus Lord in a cultural context where they would die or be in prison for not saying Caesar was Lord? And here Paul was soaking them up with who they are in Christ saying, no, God chose you. Paul was showing the church at Ephesus that also extends to us today, uh, to New City Church on our third birthday. God tells us, New City, that we're on God's team that we're on God's side, that God looked at us and chose us to fulfill the purposes that he gave us in Christ Jesus. And when we're in those deep, dark valleys of life, wondering, am I going to make it? Are we going to make it through this? Christian, I don't know where you are today in your journey, but being chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be called holy and blameless, sons and daughters of King Jesus, is one heck of an identity that can lift your spirits and lead us to praise the Lord in those dark valleys and then certainly just worship our way out of them. You know, the picture I kind of have in my mind with this is something like the little engine that could. Kind of slowly climbing out of those deep, dark valleys, climbing up the mountain, not saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. But rather, our text tells us we can say it to ourselves: climbing out of those valleys, I'm chosen by God. I'm chosen by God. I'm adopted by God. God chose me for his purpose and grace. And it leads us just to worship the Lord in the valleys and out of the valleys. It drives us to our knees in humility and awe. Church, if we have anything to celebrate today as a church, it's the love of Jesus that he has for us. I mean, just think about this. Like, this is so bizarre to me. I've been thinking about this all week long. You know, I started... Uh, the, the story of, our, of New City Church at the beginning of our time, not three years ago, but six years ago. But do you know where God started our story? He started and he birthed New City's story before the foundation of the world. 
God determined before he ever made the world that in 2023, we today would be sitting here celebrating three years of God's faithfulness, knowing exactly who would be in this room, knowing it was not an accident or a coincidence or any sort of chance, but rather by his divine purpose and love, he brought you and me to this place at this point in our life. Because he very simply wanted each of you to know that you are loved by God. That he has a plan and purpose for your life. And that plan and purpose was motivated by his deep affection and his love that he has for you. Like, God knew you before you knew you. God knew you before your parents knew you. Before you were ever in your mother's womb. God, he knew you would be here today. New City, this church was not a man-made idea. This was God's idea. That each of us would be a family that points each other to Jesus. And if you're here today, for whatever reason, I have no clue why or how or by what purposes. Maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not. But I know this, it's not an accident. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or maybe you thought you were a Christian because you've attended church or you celebrate Christmas and Easter, or because maybe you thought being a Christian is doing more good than bad. And today you realize, oh wait, that's not what makes me a Christian. And I have no doubt in my mind that God wanted you today to hear that he deeply loves you, that he died for your sins, and he wants you to give your life to him so that you can be called holy and blameless sons and daughters of God. Because by trusting in Jesus and his work at the cross today, by the grace of God, you can walk out of here totally forgiven with a clean slate set free to be with God forever. If you, and if you're here today hearing that and your heart is kind of just bounding out of your chest, knowing that you want to be with God forever, if you want to be seen as holy and blameless and seen as not guilty and totally forgiven by God, if you're here today wrestling with that, that is a really good indicator that God is pursuing you and he wants you to be part of his family. And do you know what you do with that? You simply just say, God, I trust you. I want to be in your forever family. I'm giving you my life right now and then you just tell someone so that we can celebrate your new life with Jesus today again the only requirement to be in God's forever family is to believe in Jesus that his life death and resurrection was true and real that's it nothing more nothing less it's by faith alone and when you say yes I believe I want you to I want I want to follow Jesus that's nothing but God's unmerited divine grace in your life because in this moment God he has opened up your eyes to see the goodness of Jesus so much so that you say I want to give my life to him because just think about this over over 8 billion people on the planet half of which have never heard a good understanding of the gospel and and have no way of hearing it and God today puts you here to hear that Jesus loves you he died for you he's pursuing you and he wants you to trust him and follow him with your entire life and if you're here and you walked in not following Jesus take this as a sign today that you need to surrender your life to him and then if you are a Christian here today as we end our time our simple response is to simply just be in awe of God's pursuing love on our life because New City from the beginning of time God decided that we would be a light here in the Tampa Bay area at this time and at this place for his specific purposes in church God has already done an incredible work over the past three years. And so let's just dream and ask the Lord, what could God do over the next three years? 
What mountains and valleys does he have before us where we can just simply see the goodness of God in both the mountains and the valleys? You know, the picture I kind of have in my mind is over the next three years, we're just kind of walking throughout our days, living life in our cities, seeking to just to turn over all the spiritual blessings that God has given us in Christ. And he just simply wants us to be in awe of him. I don't know about you, but when you look out at our city, I get pretty excited thinking that over the next three years, God is going to do an incredible work, opening up blind eyes, healing and restoring, and sending people all, all, all over the world for his divine purposes. So New City, happy three years. Yes. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, we're thankful for all that God has done. We have so much to celebrate, but if we celebrate anything today, we celebrate Jesus above all else. And why? Because as we've said today, Jesus, he is our greatest blessing. Let's pray. God, you are so, so good. You've given us your word to guide us, to help us. God, you looked at us and said, You're, when we accept Christ, you say, I've chosen you to be my son and daughter. God, would that lead us to our hands and knees just to praise the Lord and just thankfulness? You have, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for our life that we simply just get to walk into. God, if there's anybody here that today has put their faith in Christ or maybe is wrestling through those things, I pray that you would just give them the boldness and the courage just to talk with someone about it, maybe the person they came with, maybe with one of the pastors or someone just here, God, among us. God, we know that you are working in powerful ways, and so we're just, we thank you and we praise you for all that you've done and all that you will continue to do. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.